This is the sound of a carnival parade in the making. Outside the crew of Iris's den, a crew member, My name is Shannon Boudreau, is loading up a rolling cart with big bags filled with beads and throws that she and her fellow crew members will toss from their parade float on the day of the parade. This year, it's on February 18th. Shannon is riding on float 15, which also has a name. We are football and frisbee golf. Wow, quite a combination. <laughs> Once her cart is full, Shannon rolls it into the den, toward her float, and then starts loading all of those bags on its deck for Saturday's parade. Apparently, there's not much strategy to where those bags go on the float. Not really. It goes wherever it fits. <laughs> that may apply for that particular float, but if you're the person in charge of all the other floats, the ladies riding on them, and everything else necessary for a Mardi Gras-style parade, then you got to have a strategy, and you got to be ready to work. I'm Tan Trung, and this is the Tan Report. Since Fat Tuesday is next week, we're doing carnival coverage, as they like to call it in local news language. And really, there's no bigger story in New Orleans at the moment. The week leading up to Mardi Gras, people are usually either recovering from a trip to parades or preparing for the next one. And the same could be said for all the police officers, extra security, and first responders who are putting in some massive hours making sure parade season is safe. Most of us probably don't think about all the work it takes to pull off one of these parades. And why would we? We take in these parades to get out of the normal grind of life. I do, at least. While there's nothing wrong with that, we might appreciate the spectacle a bit more if we get a sense of what goes into it and its history. Sort of like when you know the ingredients of a dish and where they come from. That grass-fed beef from Scotland just seems to taste better. So let's get back to the den and find out more about the crew of Iris and the women who make it possible. I'm Kristen Danflew. I'm the captain of Iris. I pretty much run it. I guess to put it in layman's terms, I'm the president. Okay. And then I have a board. And so which consisted of a secretary, treasurer, you know, like a normal business. Um, and then I have my lieutenants. And what they do is they each run the, their float. So they... This is Allmeyer, my lieutenant. That was Sandy Rodolfo. So they, they're in charge of their float. So they run their float like a little business almost. So, you know, I'm ahead of it. However, you know, sometimes they can be my boss <laughs> because we want everyone to be happy. And, you know, they, they get to pick who their uh, riders are. Um, we don't have one big list. We have... Um, our lieutenants and then they you know their sister knows someone their mother knows someone and so it becomes a, a family a float family almost so what's happening here today T tell us where we're so at and today, what okay. we're doing so we have already had two load days um, which is where they load all their throws um, and that's the stuff that when people are at the parades, they look up at the floats and stuff is getting tossed at them, the and throws. That's, that's, that's the throws. And so they've, instead of them having to lug it all on parade day, we let them come into our dens um, and they can put all their beads and whatever they want to throw to the crowd those days. However, you know, everything doesn't always work out like we wanted. What? Yes. This is shocking. No, 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 no. So unfortunately, we're doing throw shirts and we sold so many of them that they couldn't produce them fast enough. So we are allowing them to uh, drop off their throw shirts, like actual t-shirts that they're going to throw off the float today so they don't have to carry them um, parade day. So they can just get on and have fun and everything's there situated. How much work does it take? If you can quantify, I know that's a very broad question, but if you can quantify how much work it takes to put on a single parade for a single crew, how would you describe that? It's astronomical. Somehow it gets done. Somehow it gets done. You know, they say it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. 
and it's a year plus marathon I would say it's about a year and a half planning for each parade like we're already planning making decisions for 2024 and 2025. That's Sarah Petito an officer in the crew of Iris. If you think of Kristen as the president then Sarah is part of the cabinet and even though they're now planning for future parades their to-do list for this year's parade goes a bit like this. People kind of think that it just happens but no it starts from you know picking the theme then you you try and figure out, okay, now what, what lieutenant would go good with each individual theme? Because so this, this year's theme is Iris Source to New Heights. Okay, so we start thinking like, hey, what kind, what things fly? So you can see we have ladybugs, the reindeer, you know, birthday balloons. So then you start matching the themes to the lieutenants because they each have a different personality. All of them are wonderful, um, but I know some like... Spoken like a true president. <laughs> so, but I know some like other things better than, you know, so I've gotten to know them because they're my second family. Um, I couldn't do this, my officers couldn't do this without my lieutenants, and I tell them that all the time. After we do that, we we start doing our throws, so when we match our throws to the theme, so we have to work on that, and there's prototypes, and... You know, it starts off on a piece of paper, and then you get a, a prototype, and then you're like, ah, I want to tweak this. Each and every throw, everything we put off the float that um, comes from Iris is tweaked, and it's for specifically Iris ladies. And we hope that the crowd loves it. So each crew usually has a signature throw, something that says to the people coming to the parade, hey, this is us. Some throws that have become super popular thanks to the evolution of all-female crews are shoes, purses, and in the case of the crew of Iris, sunglasses, which makes sense since Iris is a daytime parade. The sunglasses, we have hand-decorated sunglasses. We also have a sunglass package where I like to look around at the popular sunglasses um, and just tweak them a little bit, you know. So if you get an Iris Dior, you're going to really love it. It's going to go with any. What does an Iris Dior look like? Uh, um, I could show you, but if you go back on a, a website or called um, Dior-ish, <laughs> you can probably find something a little similar to some of our throws. We also have a Gucci-ish, a Chanel-ish, and um, <laughs> a Dolce & Gabbana-ish. So brands matter for you, at least, it sounds like. So what, what about your, is there a signature float this year, or is this something that you guys rely well, well, on? We have a few, so we have three. So we have the goddess, which we call it the famous head float. It's the beautiful goddess with the flowy blonde hair, and that she's our face of Iris. Then we have our fairy float, which um, her wings move, and there's a story about her. Um, when we got her, we were transporting her, just got off of the, the cargo ship. They were transporting her three days, here's the story, three days before the parade's supposed to take off. Wait, when was this? Um, this was, I think, 18? 18, yes. 18 or 19. Um, I'll have to go back and look. But the guy driving the tractor didn't understand that there was like low limbs and, and her head fell off. So her head got chopped off by a, a tree limb uh, in the middle of the road. And this little ferry is not a little ferry. So it's about the entire size of a float. So um, we call her Marie Antoinette. Like I said, we troubleshoot 
her head was back on, it was painted, and we pulled out with her with her wings flying. So she has a story, and then out we have the palace. The palace holds 250 ladies. So we have that one, and then we have the butterfly garden. So we have about five signatures. And then my favorite is our Pegasus. That's the float that myself and my officers ride on. And that was built last year, so it's getting tweaked right now. So we're adding stuff to it, but it's a gorgeous Pegasus, and you know, it's only it's a small float, it's just us five, but it makes us- Low risk of decapitation. Exactly. Well, this was the other story about that one. Its wings were so big, we had to have a man sit on our float and actually move its wings up and down so it didn't hit the power lines of the trees. <laughs> so he said he's going to lower it this year so we don't have to have a random man pulling his wings up and down. That sounds like an interesting line item on the budget for sure. <laughs> exactly. Money is a reality with events as celebratory as Carnival and Mardi Gras. It takes a lot of money from the individual crews to keep their respective organizations running. It takes more money to pay all the personnel securing the many weeks of parades leading up to Fat Tuesday. Then you have to consider all the money that is generated from this season. We're talking about tourists, hotel stays, parties, meals at restaurants, king cake sales, and the countless other jobs connected to this tradition of parading. Jobs like bee delivery. I met a few guys working for a local company who were loading throws at the front of the den. Everybody gets a package, and in that package, they would get six of those red bags, three of the blue, and then some of them get the theme beads and the stuffed animals. So when we palletize this stuff at the shop, we know everybody's going to get six red, everybody's getting three blue, so that's why we palletize them together so we can throw them up. We do it for two whole parades in Homa. We do it for the crew of Mad Hatters. We do deliver some stuff for the crew of Bacchus, and then we do a couple floats in Iris. When you consider the economy orbiting Mardi Gras, you start understanding why it felt like a mortal wound to many locals when parades were canceled in 2021 because of the pandemic. Here's Kristen. I remember calling my assistant and saying, this cannot be real. This cannot be real. And you start thinking like, well, they have a Super Bowl coming up. They have, you know, all these big functions. It's like, they can't tell us that we can't have Mardi Gras because, you know, they have all these big things go in and they you know how much money everybody's gonna lose and you know it's what what are we gonna tell our members and you know it's like I was scared to death honestly I don't think I've ever cried so much in my life that was the most stressful day of my life when we were told we weren't gonna be able to do it so when it came to fruition and we were told there was no Mardi Gras being a us New Orleanians we're, we're not going to stop, we're going we're gonna to abide by the law, but we are going to do it as safely as possible. And we're going to basically do a faux Mardi Gras. It was amazing how all the captains got together and thought, okay, how can we do Mardi Gras the safest way possible? So that's when people started doing house floats. You know, they started decorating their houses like floats. And they were gorgeous. So that it, it got the spirit up a little bit. You know, nobody was really leaving their house and couldn't. But everybody had focused on that house float. At that time, it was all about virtual visits, masking, and social distancing. Like the rest of the world, the crew of Iris adapted accordingly. We had this big, humongous toast on the Friday before our parade. And you're like, what are we going to do now? You know, we can't not do that day. That's Friday. That's, that's one of the biggest days. So we did a faux toast. So me and my board members, we got out there. 
We dressed like we would normally dress. We stood six feet apart with our um, masks on and we did a toast to, to Mardi Gras and the fact that it was gonna come back one day. The spirit didn't die. For natives of New Orleans like Kristen, Mardi Gras and everything associated with it is much more than just parade production. It's a defining aspect of who they are, and most New Orleanians are exposed to it when they're very young. When I was a little child, I'd go out and everything was so bright and pretty, and it was a game. I see how how much I could get. You know, I'd play with my friends, and and I'd say it's like oh, Halloween on a exactly, Tuesday. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you know. Like, we don't. We didn't have school either. We didn't have school for a whole week. So Mardi Gras was a really good time when those people in North yes. Dakota are at school, right? We would have competitions of who can get the biggest bag. So it's like all this free stuff, you know. And then, so then it just it causes almost an addiction to Mardi Gras because you you grow up with it, and and that's what you get to do on a you know a Monday night. I get to go to a parade on a Monday night. Well, you know, people in other towns or it's even called school. a different day it's Lundy Gras exactly. Monday night. Night. Yeah. exactly it's Lundy Gras so you know and then as you grow up you're just like hmm this kind of this might be fun to be on the other side maybe maybe I want to throw some of those things I want to I want to be part of the show and then the thing is is once you do it once you want to do it for the rest of your life. When was that first time for you when you were on the other side? I, I was a page when I was little, so I was five. So my Started early. Yes. So my grandmother, well, my great aunt was the captain at the time, and I was always the page to the queen. So I remember being so stingy with my little bag, throwing one little bead at a time just because I didn't want to run out. So if I'm, I remember my mom saying, Kristen, why? You be taking all of this home. I was like, Mom, I didn't want to run out. So I lived and learned. So now I sit there. I, I get tennis elbow from the amount I throw now off the float. So. Mardi Gras injury. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, it's, it's just a, and it's, it's a culture thing. And, you know, most New Orleanians are, are born with it. The crew of Iris was founded in 1917. In its early years, there were only a few dozen women who were members. But that would change. By 1959, Iris became the third all-women crew to parade in New Orleans. By 2002, under then-crew captain Joy Oswald, Iris was 900 women strong. When Miss Joy retired in 2011, her granddaughter, Kristen, became captain. The crew now has more than 3,600 members. I'm going to say I'm proud. I mean, I really, I'd be lying if I'm not. I am proud because I've seen it from the beginning beginning of when I was, it was beginning for me, you know, so I was five. So I've seen where it has just escalated into almost a city of, of floats and people. And, you know, many years we struggle and it's come a long way. Like we were renting our floats, so we didn't have our own den. I mean, and I've been doing this for 15 years now, almost 15. We, have, we own our two dens and we own our entire fleet of floats. So that's why I can allow these ladies to come today and put their stuff on because it's all ours. You know, we don't have to share it with anyone. Nobody, nobody else is riding on that happy birthday float other than that happy birthday um, lieutenant and her people. So we don't, we don't share anymore. <laughs> we got greedy. Now, now it's all ours. As part of the modern Mardi Gras scene, the crew of Iris is focused on making the season more environmentally friendly. 
That means less plastic beads and throws. And that's part of what we're really proud of is that we were the first to do the sustainability throws, biodegradable. We're trying to get the beads off the street. You know, we're trying to get the stuff that the dumpsters and dump trucks are sweeping off. So what we usually do is like I'll go through my purse or I'm like mm, I use this every day let's go ahead and you know do a cell phone cover or hey this is, I want to see iris everywhere so let's that's very practical that, yeah. though I mean what you're saying just right. why don't you throw stuff that people will actually use, use instead of just yeah you know so my hat I have on you know it's glittery it's pretty you know so it sticks out so you know and people are going to want this it's not going to fall on the ground it's not going to stay on the ground Petra Fontenot is a relatively new member. She's been riding with the crew of Iris for about seven years now. I wanted to be a part of an organization that it was more than just about riding in parades. And I think that's why I'm so excited to be a part of Iris because I think a lot of people don't realize how much we're involved in the community with fundraising. We're very involved with the Salvation Army. Uh, there, there's just so many things that we're involved. The Children's Museum, it's not just about riding in the parade. That's only one day. I think that's the most important part for me and, and think for a lot of our members, new and old. Here's Sarah Petito again. This is a 106-year-old tradition. It's one of the oldest female clubs in the country. And when this club was started, women couldn't even vote. It was founded on the idea that they wanted to do what the guys were doing in all aspects of life. Like they wanted to go put on a mask and have fun and then have these parties and eventually parade just like the men were doing. You know, if they wouldn't have done that, I don't know if we would be here today. We would be here today and we wouldn't be able to have some of the same traditions that the men have. Perhaps the most celebrated and what Sarah calls the most sacred of these traditions is of course the parade. And maybe this is where a lot of us, including myself, can see carnival parades through a lens that's too simple. We might say it's just a parade, but most of us haven't paid the dues, financial or otherwise, to be part of a crew. We haven't planned years in advance to put on a free show. And probably most relevant, most of us have never had the experience of riding on top of those floats, parading in front of an ocean of ooing and aahing people. Kristen, Sarah, and Petra can only describe it as they know it. And I tell everybody, it is something you need to check off your bucket list. And once you ride that first year, you're not going to want to quit riding because it's like no other experience. It's like being a part of royalty. I can't even imagine what the officers feel like on their float. I always say this sounds a little dramatic, but to me, this is sacred in the sense, you know, I wouldn't go as far as it's a religion, but it's sacred. You know, people say tradition, but it's more of like the experience is sacred. The traditions are sacred. Everyone's ride, you know, they look forward to this. I've talked to women all walks of life, restaurant owners, business owners, women who live all over the country who do incredible things every day, you know, mothers of, of three, four, five, lots of kids, you know, teachers, and they say, it's my favorite day of the year. It's my favorite day of the year. It's my favorite day of the year. So I think it, there's something to be said about all, you know, all of your accomplishments and your responsibilities, having this one day almost to enjoy it with yourself, your Irish sisters. Uh, it really is a day to be proud and uh, a day for yourself a little bit. You know, you are throwing all these throws and, and bringing happiness to so many people, but it is, a, a, we'll call it Irish self-care. It's a self-care day for sure. Women look forward to it. <laughs> My favorite part, I'll tell you, is when we turn from Napoleon onto St. Charles, you get this rush of energy that 
you can't, I get the chills talking, that you cannot grasp, you can't appreciate until you see that crowd and all their hands are up. It's like a sea of people and there's, you know, it's the smells, everybody, the smells, it smells like barbecue and it smells like gumbo. People that have never experienced Mardi Gras, when you can, you can't explain it. You can't put it on television and show them clips and videos and do specials on Mardi Gras because Mardi Gras is here in New Orleans on the street. The smell of it, the sounds of it, like you... Most people run from sirens because it's like, oh, this is a bad sign. When you hear a siren during Mardi Gras, right when right before parade, you know that parade's starting. You know, it, it gives you chills, and it's like it's just a, it's a different culture. And I can try and explain it like I am to you, but you would never, I could never do it justice. And that's why anybody out there who's listening, you need to come to New Orleans once for Mardi Gras, especially to coronavirus. During my visit to the den, I found out that Kristen's title of crew captain is more than that. It's her full-time job. I'm not sure if that's the case with other crews, and I'm not sure about Kristen's pay and hours. But if the benefits include leading a parade of thousands, then it sounds like one of the greatest jobs in the world. In New Orleans, I'm Tan Trung for WWL Radio.